Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Taylor. This is a below-the-surface edition episode. And uh, I hate that my loud-ass air conditioning kicked in right as I wanted to record. But it's getting late here on a Tuesday, so we're going to roll with it. I don't think the microphone is picking it up, really. But uh, if it does, my bad. It should stop here pretty soon. Um, I did find the cord to my microphone, which is nice. The downside is that the little metal piece that goes uh, on the front of it, it's one of those blue snowball microphones, and it has like a little metal piece on the top. That thing has fallen off and gone somewhere. I know it's in this house somewhere, but I don't know exactly where. Um, Yeah, so I know the last time I recorded, I did two 30-minute episodes in one. And I said I was going to record another one, like, right after that, and I did not. So I'm going to put out two episodes, one today, one tomorrow. And then I'll be all caught up on the recording schedule. And one thing that I'm going to do um, is, so for tonight's episode, I'm going to talk about UFC 292. Really excited to talk about that. I got a new champion at 135, Sugar Sean O'Malley. But also, I found out today that um, I will be getting off work in plenty of time to watch the first Republican presidential primary debate. So I'm going to get off work. I'm going to watch that primary debate. And then I'm going to record an episode immediately after watching it. Um, It's on Fox News, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Starts at 8 p.m. Central Time, taking place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I do want to talk about UFC 292 for the majority of this episode, but just real quick while I'm on the subject, we have, I believe, eight people that are in the debate. Three, six, seven, eight. Yep, eight people. They are in the order that they are listed on Wikipedia. Doug Burgum. Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Aza Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Tim Scott. Oh, that's it. I don't know. I just named it like there was going to be somebody else. So actually, I will talk about the debate a little bit. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to record right after that, which means probably going to release it pretty late at night, but it will be available for you uh, for all those people that like to listen. Uh, in the morning. Um, So we have eight people that qualified. A couple things. One, people have been talking about it all week. Trump's not going to be there. He is not attending. He's skipping out. Uh, He did not sign the loyalty pledge anyway, which is one of the three requirements. So let me see if I can find a little bit of information about their requirements. Okay. So there are four different criteria, I guess, not just three. Well, one of them's not that big of a deal. Be constitutionally, I mean, (laughs) I guess it is a big deal, but that's not the, those are not the three requirements you think about when, when talking about this debate. So first one, obviously constitutionally eligible to run for president and appropriately filed with the Federal Election Commission. Everyone who's running for president fits that criteria. The three actual criteria are Uh, to sign a pledge by August 21st indicating that they will not participate 
in any non-RNC debate and that they will support the eventual nominee. Uh, the next one. Prove to the RNC by August 21st that they have polled above 1% since July in three national polls or in two national polls and one poll from each of two different early primary states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina. So three national polls or two national polls and one poll from each of two different states. So a lot of people got um, got in from, from, you know, that requirement. I feel like that requirement probably kept a fair amount of people out. Maybe not. Well, nah, it kept some people out. Uh, and the last one is prove to the RNC by August 21st that they have attracted donations from at least 40,000 individuals with at least 200 from each of 20 states or territories. So we were talking about Trump. Trump has not signed that pledge. And, uh, you know, as a result, was not invited to that debate. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny, not if you're Perry Johnson, but Perry Johnson met all of those requirements. He got the polling, he got the donors, he signed the pledge, and they still didn't invite him, at least according to Wikipedia. So that's devastating for the Perry Johnson for President campaign. Um, <laughs> like, come on, man. I know he's not a major candidate, but, you know, neither is Doug Burgum, and he's on the debate stage. Uh, so Trump didn't qualify. Perry Johnson did qualify. He just didn't get invited. Uh, Suarez is missing. The only thing Suarez missed was the uh, a poll from state. He needed another qualifying poll from one of the states. He did meet the donor requirement. I think he was handing out, handing out, he was, I, I think, he was giving away tickets to Messi's first game in Miami in exchange for like a $1 donation. So he was able to hit the donor threshold pretty easily, but he did not get the uh, the, the polling threshold. Uh, Will Hurd also, he, he got the state poll threshold, but uh, did not meet the national polling threshold. He has only been in one qualifying uh, poll. Larry Elder did not meet either of the uh, polling requirements. Um, I also heard did not sign that pledge. Uh, Suarez signed the pledge. Elder signed the pledge. Heard did not. And he missed the polling requirement. Uh, who is Binkley? Binkley? There's a guy named Binkley on here. Who is Binkley? Hold on. Let me figure this out real quick. <laughs> Who is Binkley? There's a guy named Binkley running for president. Who is this guy? Uh, Well, I'm going to take a minute to figure that out so you guys can know. And I can know. Ryan Binkley. Oh, I think I do remember seeing that he, he was running. I don't really know who he is, though. Co-founder and CEO of Generational Equity Group co-founder and lead pastor of Create Church, a Texan. What else we got about this guy? Wikipedia? Um, hmm. Not much. 
His Wikipedia page is pretty, uh, pretty slim. Let's go to his website real quick. See what's going on there. Who is Ryan Binkley? My cell phone service is terrible. I'm doing a lot of searching for somebody that has absolute garbage cell phone service right now. Going to find out anything interesting about Mr. Binkley? Um, I don't know that we are, if this takes much longer. Oh, here we go. Here we are. Big church leader. Um, da 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 da. Generational group. Uh, Procter and Gamble, Boston Scientific Corporation. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I'm not. Mr. Binkley has not really captured my attention, so we are going to move on from uh, Mr. Binkley. He met the donor criteria for how, I don't know how he managed that, but uh, did not meet any of the other criteria. So, like I said, those eight that I mentioned before are the only ones that made it. Harry Johnson should be in there, but is not. Uh, Doug Burgum. I think a lot of people know him because he was giving away uh, like $20 gift cards if people donated a dollar to his campaign. So that helped him, uh, you know, that's how he met the donor criteria. And he somehow got the polling ones too. So I don't know much about the guy. I know he's the governor of North Dakota, but he is the guy that qualified for this debate with the least amount of name recognition. Um, also, just for the record, I, I think I mentioned this to Alex the other day, uh, Chris Christie and uh, Mike Pence to a lesser extent, you know, but I, actually for Mike Pence, it's not really that wild, I guess. Um, I mean, what's he going to do? Not support Trump if he's the nominee. Trump has really just dogged him, though, this whole time since January 6th. And even Pence signed that pledge. Of course, I guess even if you don't like Trump, I guess you just like if you want to be on the debate stage, you got to sign that that pledge. So, also, what if you break the pledge? What if you sign it, say you're going to support Trump, and you're Mike Pence or Chris Christie, and then you're just like, no, actually, I'm not going to support him. Don't care about the pledge. Because for Christie, it's even weirder. I think I, Christie has been a more vocal critic of Trump over these past couple of years, and even he still signed the pledge to eventually support the nominee. And in all likelihood, the nominee is going to be Trump. As much as I would like for it not to be, it's going to be. You know, and it sucks. I really don't want to rehash Biden versus Trump, but it is looking like that's what we're going to do. I will appreciate this debate without Trump, though. I mean, there's no guarantee that he makes any of the debates. They have another one scheduled for September in uh, California. Oh, we've already got people that have met those criteria, too. Cool. Um, oh, they're going to do another one in... Well, according to Nikki Haley, there's going to be a third debate in October in Alabama. So, that's fun. Uh, I think, so I, th I really think there are two people 
that need to make some waves in this debate. All the other candidates need to do something spectacular too, but for two candidates in particular, DeSantis, right? There's a reason that he's been pushing for higher criteria for these debates. It's because he wants to consolidate that anti-Trump vote around him. And pretty much everyone who's not named Trump is competing for that Trump vote. Whether they don't like Trump or whether they do, it doesn't really matter. Because all the people that like Trump are going to vote for Trump. So everyone else is competing for the anti-Trump vote, whether they'll admit it or not. And DeSantis is the leading guy for that Trump vote. It's just, it's also split between 15 other people. Or however many other people, you know. Um, and that's not good for him. He needs to really take advantage of the fact that Trump is not going to be on this debate stage. And he needs to he needs to make it clear that if you are not voting for Donald Trump, you need to be voting for him. And that's what he needs to do. That that should be his job. He you know, and in this next debate, or these two next debates, I guess, there are probably going to be less and less people on that debate stage. He needs to continue to just consolidate that that anti-Trump support behind him. Having it split up between all these different candidates is, it, it, you know, it's not good for DeSantis. And like I said, I mean, he is really the only one who even has a shot. I would say it's not looking great for him right now, obviously. But there is there is time for that to improve, is the thing. We are a long, long way from 2024. A lot of different things can happen between now and then. A lot of different things will happen between now and then regarding Trump and regarding some of these candidates. So DeSantis needs to take control of the room and dominate. He needs to make it very clear that if you, like, if you are not voting for Trump, you're voting for him. And he needs to do more. He needs to sway those Trump supporters. Kind of like how in a general election, you know, you're competing for these independents and these undecided voters. He needs to sway some of these Trump supporters and give them something. He needs to give them a reason to vote for him over Trump. Now, how is he going to do that? I don't really know. <laughs> I do not really know. But that's what he has to do. If he's going to make a serious attempt at this nomination, he has to win this debate far and away. Um, there's another guy that I think can make a splash. I've seen some polls that have him trending upward. Vivek Ramaswamy. Hope I'm saying his name right. Um, I think I am, but I just, you know, I see it written a lot. I don't often hear it pronounced. He can do something too, I think. Um, now, I mean, could he ever pass DeSantis as the, you know, the number two guy in the race? That I don't know. But he has garnered more attention. And he's gotten people more riled up than any of these other candidates, minus Trump and DeSantis. He is the one that people are kind of, even if they're not outright supporting him at this moment in time, they're looking at him and going, huh, who is that guy? And I want to learn more about him. Um, I was actually listening to him on Bill Maher's podcast, of all places. It just kind of popped up in my feed. And uh, I gave it a listen. You know, I think <laughs> I think Bill Maher is about as insufferable as he's always been. 
Um, it was an interesting conversation, though. I definitely don't agree with Vivek on a lot of things. Oftentimes, I'll, you know, I'll hear him talking about something or, you know, somebody will post something about his views. And, uh, yeah, some of the stuff that he wants to do, I definitely do not support. Um, but he is he's getting people's attention. People are starting to look at him and, you know, starting to ask some questions about him. He, he's, he's getting people's attention. Definitely. You can't really deny it. And it's more than just on the Internet. You know, like I feel like. Um, so Andrew Yang did a similar thing in 2020, right? Like he he was that young, new, who is this guy kind of kind of candidate. But I feel like a lot of people really did not know him outside of the Internet. And if you didn't watch the couple of debates that he was in, and a lot of people don't watch the debates. But if you didn't watch the debates and you weren't online all the time reading about him, you probably didn't know anything about him. See, I've, I, and I know this is anecdotal, but like I've, I've heard people mention him to me in person, Vivek. And that does say something. He is, you know, he is attracting voters from all over the place. And he's getting to people that are not just online, you know. Like folks that honestly probably primarily get their news from Fox News or something along those lines, you know, a more traditional form of uh, media than than social media. Not that he's not doing well on social media. He absolutely is. But I'm saying that his reach extends even further uh, than than social media. All right, we're back. I had to temporarily pause there. Um but we are back talking about Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, I think he's I think he's getting folks to pay attention to him. And uh, I think he can make a splash in this debate is where I was leading with all that. I feel like I feel like I just been saying the same thing the past couple minutes, man. I'm I'm kicked up here on my couch. I haven't really figured out how I want to, you know, really start recording these podcasts in my new place. Um, I just. You know, I don't really want to do it at the kitchen table because the air conditioning is in there and it's loud as shit. So I'm here on my couch. I'm holding the microphone. I really hope that doesn't affect the audio quality of it. I'm just kind of kicked back. I got some information up on my phone. We are rolling. We are cruising. Uh, who else could really do something in this debate? Uh, I don't know what Mike Pence is going to do, man. You know, I mean, I guess he is like... I feel like the four candidates that people are even really talking about at all are Trump, DeSantis, Pence, and Ramaswamy. And, and Pence has not been polling so hot, man. He's really, really not been polling so hot. Let me see if I can pull up some recent polling here. Give us a little uh, a little taste of what's been going on recently. I haven't kept up with the polls all that well. I did see on Twitter a poll that had Vivek in, like, second place. But I don't know who did that poll or how good it was. But I know Vivek retweeted it, which is which is you know how I saw it. Um, let's look at some of this here polling. Let's look at nationwide polling. Damn, is that DeSantis? That is DeSantis. Not as close as it. Yeah, I mean Trump is kind of. It's more like Trump is consolidating some of that vote. That air conditioning did cut off, and it made me realize I was kind of yelling into the microphone. 
Um, so I apologize about that. Uh, I got some aggregate polling. I don't really want aggregate polling, but I will take a look in just because. Um, whoa. Yeah. 270 to wins aggregate polling from this month has Vivek at 9.6%. And it has DeSantis at 12.4. What do they have since that? Where is he at? 4.2. That is wild. Wild. 4.2. Former vice president. Can't do better than 4.2. Uh, let me see. Let's look at some other polls. Let's look at like some one-off polls. Get some recent ones. Rasmussen, what do they got? They got Trump at 49. It's lower than all these other polls. Vivek at 11. DeSantis at 10. Maybe that's the poll that I saw. Chris Christie at 7. Hmm. Interesting. Tim Scott at 4. Uh, some of these guys left a lot of the candidates off. What do we got here? So the CBS News poll. DeSantis at 16. Vivek at 7. Mike Pence at 5. Trump at 62. I mean, good Lord. I mean, that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at Wikipedia for all this stuff, and I went to the page for opinion polling for the 2024 Republican Party presidential primaries. And, you know, they have the polls listed out, all the individual polls just kind of listed out, and they're split up by... There's like a, a break in between some of the polls, and it says uh, August 14th, Trump is indicted by a Georgia grand jury for his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in Georgia. And then you scroll down a little more. This Trump is indicted by a federal grand jury for his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Let's keep going. We got another one. Oh, no, that's... There's another, the next break after that is Will Hurd declares his candidacy. And, uh, I look, I, 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 I like Will Hurd generally. Um, I don't think him declaring his, his presidency really, uh, really affected all that much. Um, I thought it was going to be Trump's indictment. They do have one of his other indictments though. They have all of his other indictments actually. Um, Yeah. I know I, I, I want I actually, you know, I'm going to talk about this debate tomorrow. I am looking forward to it. I am glad that, you know, like, it's like Trump is the leading nominee, so it would make sense for him to be in it. Uh, but I do also like the fact that he's not going to be in it because it is going to be a more serious uh, policy forward debate. But I know I've rambled on for 23 minutes about the debate when I said I wanted to talk about UFC 292, and uh, I am going to talk about UFC 292. Sugar Sean O'Malley, new Bantamweight champion, and uh, it's pretty awesome, man. I don't know if I ever said on this podcast that I didn't think that he would become champion, but it is an opinion that I held up until he won the title, pretty much. I did not think he was going to beat Aljamain Sterling. You know, I, um, hell, I, I did not think that he beat Piotr Jan whenever they fought. Um, 
you know, and like before then, his biggest win is against uh, Thomas Almeida, Eddie Winland. You know, it's just like I, I hadn't really, and, and his fight with Jan, to his credit, did show that he could hang in there with, you know, the top guys at 135. I just did not expect him to go out and TKO Aljamain Sterling like he did. I really did not expect it. Now, I tweeted out, because I've, I've seen some discourse on the internet over the stoppage, as I'm sure a lot of you have. Um, I'll say this, and it's what I said on my Twitter, at Bonsai Brief Pod, if you're not already following, um, that initially, I thought it was a little early. Initially, I thought that. And then, they, they replayed it. You know, because you're kind of, that's the thing. You're in the moment. You see a stoppage. The guy on the ground's still moving a little bit. It's hard to tell. They they ended up replaying it a couple of times, and after I saw it again, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's a good stoppage. It is a good stoppage." Well, one, Sterling fell forward, like flat on his face forward, when he got hit, and then he's on the ground. He's eating these shots, and he eats a real big one, and he like turns over or whatever, and. You know, that's the end. It was a good stoppage. And anyone out there still saying it was not a good stoppage? It was. Um, and this is coming from a guy that initially thought it was early. And man, Sean O'Malley hit him with a beautiful punch, too. I know they've made comparisons to it all week or, you know, these past couple of days or whatever. But, you know, it, it did remind people of the Conor Aldo fight. He was... uh. Yeah, and I mean, you know, pretty much what Sean and his, his camp was saying was going to happen, happened. He was going to look for the moment where Aljamain overextended, and he was going to counter him with that punch. There's there's that good footage of them, you know, working out, training in the back for the fight, where he, he throws that exact punch in that exact situation. So it all came together for Sean O'Malley that night. Um, you know, and like I said, I never really thought he was going to be the champion. I was wrong and uh, kind of glad I was wrong because I think he's going to be a fun champion. Um, they want him to fight Cheeto Vera next, which is interesting. Um, I did not think Cheeto, I didn't think Cheeto won his fight this past Saturday against Pedro Munoz. I thought Munoz won two of those rounds. Um, you know, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how popular an opinion that is or not. But I thought it was pretty clear to me that Pedro won two rounds. But what can you do? Um, and I remember I was I literally watched the the main event that he had with Corey Sandhagen, and he ended up losing by split decision. And there's no reason that fight should have been a split decision. I mean, Corey Sandhagen put it on Cheeto. You know, and I was there in the crowd. And that crowd was rooting heavy for Cheeto. And boy, he just did not really have any solid moments in that fight. Not really. Um, it was rough. It was a rough, rough fight for him. And so, you know, I, I don't think the Pedro Munoz fight was particularly great for him. And, you know, I, I don't, he definitely, I don't think Cheeto deserves a title shot. You know, I, there are definitely guys more deserving of a title shot in at 135 than, than Cheeto. I don't have the rankings in front of me, but Marab Davalashvili is one of them. 
you know, just right offhand. Um, uh, I don't know. If they did want to do Cheeto again, though, I would not hate it. And I would pick Sean O'Malley to win that fight. I, I do not think Cheeto has made the improvements over the past couple of years. I can't remember when they fought the first time. Um, I just, you know, I've seen Sean O'Malley make improvements in his game, and uh, I don't know that I've really seen that from Cheeto on the same end. I think I think Sean O'Malley is, you know, definitely a much better fighter than he was when he fought Cheeto the first time. And that's probably true of Cheeto too, but, you know, he, he's been struggling against some of this tougher competition here at 135 recently, in my opinion. And I just, uh, I don't see him, you know, getting Sean O'Malley out of there like he did the first time. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, who their first, or who, who O'Malley's first title defense is going to be against. A uh, big part of me thinks it will be Cheeto, because I do think that is an easier fight for O'Malley than uh, an Aljo rematch, or a Piotr Jan rematch, or a Marab Devalishvili fight. And it's clear that the UFC is pushing Chan to be this big, big star, and I don't even think they're wrong to do so, you know. I mean, they put the whole fight out there for free, like immediately on social media. And I think YouTube, not that YouTube's not social media. I was thinking about Twitter or X, whatever. Uh, YouTube too, they put it out. So it's clear the UFC wants John O'Malley to be this big star. And I really just don't think they're going to feed him to Marab quite yet or Sterling again. You know, I think, um, I think the UFC is going to look at that Cheeto rematch and and probably book that one if I had to guess. Now, who's next for Aljamain Sterling though? Assuming he doesn't get the title shot again. Again, I'm not looking at the rankings, but um you know, there there are some fun fights for him there. I'm actually not going to go into it cuz I did want to kind of keep this this episode a little bit shorter. Um, just a couple other things about UFC 292, though. Zhang Weili defended her title in dominating fashion. Uh, I think one of the judges said she lost one round. That's fucking absurd. Fucking absurd. Should have been 50, 40-something on all the cards. And one of those judges said that Zhang Weili lost a round. That's absurd. I don't think she lost a round. One of the judges scored a 50-43. Now, he had the right idea. I think, you know, and I mean, hats off to Lemos. I mean, she's, you know, obviously tough, very talented fighter in her own right. But Zhang Weili was out there to just kick ass, to to put Lemos on the ground and just demolish her with ground and pound and elbows. And I mean, just, I mean, <laughs> really any way that she could, she could beat her up, she was doing it. And uh, I like Zhang Weili a lot. She is probably my favorite uh, women's fighter in the UFC right now. And she's fantastic. I mean, she put on a, a you know, killer performance it was really awesome to see, uh, 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 Ian Gary demolishing Neil Magny, completely destroying his legs was wild to see. I mean, the first couple leg kicks he threw dropped Neil Magny and it was all downhill from there. It was all downhill from there. I mean, I thought they were going to call it at some point. I think it was in that third round when it was really getting bad. I mean, it was bad the whole fight, actually. 
there were moments in the second round where I'm like, oh, they might, <laughs> they might stop this. Neil Magny's not putting any pressure on it. He's hobbling around. Uh, just really could not, could not get anything going. Um, had to have, I, and I haven't read anything about this, but he, he had to have some sort of injury, I would imagine. Something to cause that. Um, Ian Gary's the shit, man. I tweeted out too. I said that I'd like to see him fight Shavkat, and I still would. I know he wants to fight Stephen Thompson, and I think that's a great fight too. I, I don't hate that at all. But imagine Ian Gary versus Shavkat. How much fun that would be. Two undefeated guys. I think, I think yeah, Shavkat's undefeated, right? I know Ian Gary is. I think Shavkat is too. Two undefeated guys, both on the up and up. That'd be a fun matchup. But, you know, Ian Gary and Steven Thompson would also be a wild matchup. And um, we're not going to get to see Steven Thompson for that much longer, you know? I mean, I think he's made it pretty clear that he's kind of at the latter stage of his, his career. I mean, he's 40, 40, 41, something like that. Yeah, can't keep fighting forever. Um, I thought DeMond Blackshear got screwed. want to throw that in. Uh, I, I was only able to catch the main card fight, so we're, we're actually almost at the end of our list. Uh, and I, you know, I already talked about Chito Vera and Pedro Munoz, um, but I, I'll, I will leave on this note. Demond Blackshear, I thought, got screwed out of a decision win. Um, 29-28, Batista, Bautista. I guess, I guess, you know, but 30-27, I mean, come on. Demond Blackshear... I thought he won two rounds. To not give him one round is is wild. He got screwed. He would have been the first guy to to win a fight in consecutive weekends. I forget who it was. Uh, Lupe Godinez tried to do it, lost the second fight. And now Blackshear did too, but Blackshear should have won that fight, man. He really should have. I thought he won two rounds. I thought he did quite a bit better. And the And the guy that he fought, fought you know hats off to him you know great fight entertaining fight both guys just dogs dogs but uh i did i did think that blackshear uh won that fight so i know i talked way more about the republican presidential debate than i intended to but um that's what you get with the show sometimes um i also only watched those five fights i just talked about so I missed the whole rest of the card. I heard Chris Weidman got his leg fucked up against Tavares. And I know, oh, I know he did because I saw him in that wheelchair or whatever, and, you know, with his leg all, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, wrapped up, bandaged up, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, no. So tomorrow I will be recording and putting out another podcast. It will be after I have watched the debate that's going on tomorrow. So it'll be later when I put that up, but uh, it's going to be a good one. I am looking forward to it, giving you guys my reactions. Uh, I'll see if Alex will join me for that podcast. I don't know if he will be able to or not, but if he can, uh, it, it would be real awesome to get him in and, and you know hear his reactions to it too. So I mentioned it before, if you're not following the podcast already, at Bonfire Brief Pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter's the one that I use more often, so if you're you're only going to do one, 
would definitely recommend following the podcast on Twitter and be on the lookout tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night or Thursday morning for that GOP debate episode. Uh, It's going to be a fun one. So thank you guys for tuning in. I do apologize again for the inconsistent uploading, but after tomorrow, we are back on a regular schedule. See you guys tomorrow.